start off on somewhat of a serious note this morning. Uh, this coming week, probably starting tomorrow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast and pray. I'm going to invite any of you that would like to fast and pray with me that the Kansas Jayhawks will lose in the NCAA tournament. Hey, Duke lost. Can I get some love? Like, Duke, like we don't say Duke in the Pennington household. It's a four-letter word, and God tells us to only speak in that which builds one another up, and so we don't even use the word Duke in the Pennington household. I don't know if you're like me. Hey, welcome to Trace, where we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we do take Jesus very seriously in his gospel, and we're going to be talking a whole lot about that today. So thankful to have each and every one of you in this room with us. I also want to say thank you for those of you watching online. Thanks for joining this conversation with us via our online audience. Uh, also, a special shout out to our guests today. Hey, if you're not in a hurry, I'm going to be out at Next Steps when we're done. And so I'd love just to say hi to you if you're willing to stop by and visit for just a moment. Well, today we're continuing in a series called Mantras. And even if you are new with us today, these four statements that we call mantras will give you a really good idea of who we are and maybe even who we aren't. Uh, here at Trace, we elevate truth and grace. We extend hope when life hurts. And by the way, if you didn't get to hear Josiah's message on that last week, I would strongly encourage you to go back and watch that. It was a phenomenal message that he delivered on that, on that particular mantra. We embrace those far from God. Now, I want to pause there for a moment and let you know that this is actually what I'm preaching on for our Easter message this Easter here in a couple weeks. I'm going to preach on this particular mantra, and I promise you, you need to invite everybody that you can to come and join us. People you know, people you don't know, just invite them to come because I believe the message that God has put on my heart to deliver on Easter Sunday on this particular subject I really do believe everybody needs to hear. And then our last mantra is that we empower everyone to share the gospel. Now, in short, mantras are simply statements that we repeat over and over and over again. That's why it becomes a mantra. But for us here at Trace, these are not just statements that we want to repeat. Truly, these are cultural distinctives that we want represented, yes, in what we say, but more importantly, in how we live and how we show others the life of Jesus. Because to a great extent, to a great extent, these four statements do represent the life of Jesus. To a great extent, these, these four statements represent both the message of Jesus and his greatest motivations by coming here to this earth and walking among us, God incarnate. And so I wanna encourage us today and throughout this series to, to kind of embrace these in a new way, to take them in, to let them not just be the things that we say, but how can we actually show them and how we live our lives. And today, our main focus, we're going to take a deeper dive into this particular mantra that we empower everyone to share the gospel. And arguably, we could say that this is the most important mantra we have. And why would I say that? Because there's a lost and broken world outside those doors that desperately need to know and to learn about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But how is anybody going to hear about it if we're not willing to share it? Let me remind you of something the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Church family, every single week you walk out those doors, I want you to feel a sense of empowerment 
to go and share the best message this world will ever hear to a lost and broken world. And I want you to have a sense of urgency about it. Why? Because time is too short and life too fragile to hold the best news in the whole world from a lost and broken world. This past week, I attended the funeral of my neighbor who lived just across the street from me. He'd become a friend of mine and he died suddenly at 47 of a heart attack. Left behind two kids and a wife. And of course, we're doing everything we can to minister to that family during this time. Listen to me, time is too short and life is too fragile to hold the best news in the whole world from a lost and broken world. Too often in ministry, I feel like I've made the mistake of assuming that people know a certain amount of information when it comes to the faith, especially people that have been brought up in church their whole life. But over the time that I've been in ministry, I've been convicted too many times and reminded that even for people that have been brought up in church their whole life, it's possible that you've still never been fully taught the gospel. Or maybe you were in a church that taught the gospel, but maybe at that moment in your life, that season in your life, you just weren't paying attention And still there are others who have known the gospel, fully understand the gospel, and maybe been following Jesus for decades, but have never taken the time to actually share that with someone else. Which is why one of the statements, I would call it an axiom that I repeat often is this, I don't care if you learn anything else until you share what you already know with someone else. This is not about coming in here on Sunday and getting spiritually fat. Right, just so we can learn a bunch of information without going and actually sharing the best news in the whole world to a lost and broken world. That's not okay. And I don't say that to shame or embarrass anyone, but listen to me, if you're going to make this your church home base, if this is going to be your church family, I'm going to do everything I can as your pastor, if you will afford me that opportunity to equip you and to educate you and to empower you to take the best news in the whole world to a lost and broken world. I want you to know it, which we're gonna talk a whole lot about today, and I also want you to be able to show it. And so today I'm gonna give you an illustration that I believe clearly communicates the gospel. It's incredibly simple, but also very effective. I'm reminded of the words a famous atheist once said. He said, How much would you have to hate someone to know the only way to heaven, but never share it with them? You see, even atheists understand that if we actually believe what we say we believe, there should be an urgency within all of us who claim the name of Jesus as leader and Lord of our life to go and share the best news in the whole world to a lost and broken world. Now, some of you in here may share this sentiment where it's like, hey, pastor, can I, can I just bring the people in my life to, in this place? Can I, can I just bring them to church and you can tell them about Jesus? You can share the gospel with them? To which I'd say, yes, like truly, yes, you can do that. But you're gonna have opportunities that I will never have. There are gonna be people in your life that you have relational equity with that would never give me the time of day. And so what I wanna do is I wanna prepare you. I wanna prepare you for those moments And I would love if you would actually start praying for them. So here's where I wanna begin. I wanna begin today by giving you five specific verses in your New Testaments that I believe are five of the most gospel-saturated verses. And I put them in sequence to where they kind of build off of one another. 
And I would strongly encourage you to write down the verse references. You won't have time to write down the entire verse, but I would strongly encourage you to write down the verse references as we go through these. And by strongly encourage, I mean if you don't do this, I'm gonna stand up here and judge you the entire time that I'm preaching because I want you to write these down and later go back and read over them again and again and again because I don't just want you to know it, I want you to get the gospel in your guts. I want it to be so natural as far as your understanding of it that it just comes out of you when you're in an opportunity that God gives you because you're gonna start praying for those opportunities, amen. I also wanna encourage you that as I read through these particular Bible verses, that if you agree with it, and by agree with it, like it's like you appreciate it, as you hear about the beautiful grace of Jesus, as you hear what's being shared and how much God loves you that he gave his one and only son, as you hear these things, if you wanna say amen, like go for it. If you wanna say thank you, Jesus, go for it. I'm giving you permission to be charismatic. Maybe not crazy-matic, right? We don't wanna be, we're not running up and down the aisles this morning, unless you want to, unless you want to. But I'm giving you full permission to express your appreciation for what your heavenly father has done for you, something that none of us deserved. So let me begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel. So he's gonna remind them of what he's already mentioned to them. I'm gonna remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. And a lot of you have heard me use that language a lot around here. I want you to stand firm in the gospel and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance. So this should get all of our attention. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ, he died for our sins. He died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried and was raised on the third day accordance with the scriptures. Of first importance, Jesus died for you. And it wouldn't have meant anything if he didn't walk out of a grave three days later, but he did. And because of his death and resurrection, we now have salvation in front of us. But why would God do this? John chapter three, for God so loved the world, make it personal this morning, for God so loved Aaron that he gave his one and only son and whoever believes in him will not die, will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Can I pause there for a second and just say that there are way too many people walking away from God's church, walking away from God unnecessarily, oftentimes because they were in a condemning church or on the other end of a condemning Christian. And that shouldn't happen. Because God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Why? Because Jesus took our condemnation. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Jump over to Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? No condemnation. For those that are in Christ Jesus, because through, through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. 
And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law, pay attention there, we're gonna come back to that, remember those words, the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Titus three, God saved us, church. God saved us. God saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, can I get you to focus in on that word justified for a moment? Because when you're justified by his grace, it's just if I'd never sinned justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Second Corinthians chapter five, last one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the, the ministry of reconciliation. That's empowerment language that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Can I read that statement more slowly? Not counting people's sins against them. Thank you, Jesus. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. I love that language. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And here it is, because God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Thanks be to God. Can I just pray? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the life and the breath in our lungs. We know it's not promised from one day to the next. I was just reminded of that with what happened with my neighbor. Father, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for not leading and leaving us with a spirit of ambiguity wondering if we'd done enough to earn your favor and love and forgiveness and the hope of salvation, God. We don't have to worry about that because Jesus did it all for us. We can't fathom what that really means, but we're so thankful for it. God, we love you. We pray this in his name. Amen. Although there are many more verses I could share with you because I promise you there are many more verses in your New Testaments that describe the gospel well. I do believe that these are five of the most gospel-saturated verses that you could read and study. And I want you to study them. Once again, I want you to go back and read them over and over. Write them down, memorize them, get them in your guts. Don't just know the truth of these passages. Ready? Let them wash over you. Let them take the shame off of you. Let them renew hope inside of you. And to be clear, guys, we should never have the motivation of wanting to have a clear understanding of the gospel or God's word in general, just so that we can go prove a point or win an argument. How I many of you have done this before, right? Especially with family members. We have a tendency to do this. There's enough of that spiritual rhetoric out there already. We want the gospel in our guts and we wanna have a more full understanding of what the gospel is so that we can take advantage of every opportunity God gives us because this is about rescuing souls, not about winning an argument. This is about people knowing that salvation is found in only one name and his name is Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and life. No one gets to the Father except through him. And listen to me, that's going to offend some people. 
that's going to be offensive to some people. When you tell them there's only one way to heaven and that, that is through the person of Jesus Christ, that's going to offend some people. But we already know this. People are already offended by something anyway, right? Everybody's offended about something. You might as well throw the gospel in there while we're at it, right? <laughs> this is a side note. Um, coming up tomorrow night, we're in this, uh, our faith development course on Monday night. Even if you haven't registered, you can jump in tomorrow night. And our course is on the, um, defending our faith in a skeptical world. And I'm going to be talking about how the gospel can be offensive. And so you need to be ready to offend people. But you don't have to be offensive. Listen to me. The gospel is already offensive because of what it says, which means you don't have to be. And what I've learned is that a lot of people end up never sharing the gospel with someone because they're afraid it's going to offend to which I would tell you by the cross alone, listen to me, by the cross alone, I am ready to offend somebody because I know that that message actually takes them to new life, to real life. And you need to be ready to offend people too. And let me, let me go back and say this, because the gospel is offensive, as I already said, you don't have to be, which means, listen to me, when you deliver this message, your demeanor, it can be calm. Your motivation, should always be love, your tone, natural, your delivery, clear. And for goodness sakes, please don't be weird. We got enough weird Christians out there. We know this, you've known a few. If you don't, if you don't know anybody, it might be you. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. We, did a, we, we put out a, like a mass mailer campaign, I wanna say it was four years ago. And we sent it out to tens of thousands of people in the city. And it said, church doesn't suck and we're not weird. That was the message. And guess what? We offended people. And they were probably the weird Christians that we offended. Let's just be honest, right? Guys, for the rest of our time together, what I want to do is I actually want to present the gospel to you. I told you I was going to show you an illustration. And this illustration we've labeled, it's called the gap in the gospel. <laughs> And I wanna present it to you. And I'm taking a different approach to this because I could easily get up here and just kind of teach this to you. But it's not lost on me that there's somebody in here right now. You don't just need to hear this. You actually need to receive it. Because you've never actually received what Christ has done for you. And so I thought, Man, even if it's just for one person, I don't wanna just teach you this today. I wanna to present it to you. And for those that maybe need to take that step and make Jesus the leader and Lord of your life, hopefully by the time that I'm done, you'll fully understand why that's necessary. So here's how this illustration goes. When God created us, he created us perfect. When he created Adam and, the, Adam and Eve in the garden, he created them perfect. His desire from the very beginning was to be in relationship with us. That was God's heart. He wanted to be in relationship with us. I even love the language that we read in the garden. It says that God was walking through the garden looking for Adam and Eve. And why was he looking for Adam and Eve? Because they were hiding. You see, what happens, even though God created us to be perfect, the one thing that he had asked Adam and Eve not to do, he could have asked them to not do a lot of things, but he asked them not to do one thing, and that one thing was to eat of the tree of good and evil. And because of that, it separated us from God. And all of us inherit this. All of us come from the descendants of Adam and Eve at some, to some extent, which means we 
are born with sin in our life. Let me remind you of Romans 3, 23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means you and me. And what happens is when we sin, when we do anything that God doesn't want us to do, that he's put in motion, when we sin, it separates us from God and our relationship with our heavenly father is shattered. It's broken. And so what God did is he said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create a path towards redemption, but it's going to start with a measurement. And so he put a measurement in place and this measurement we call 10 commandments. It's often referred to in your New Testaments as the law. And so when you read about the law, it's talking about this, uh, the 10 commandments. It was a measuring tool that God said, hey, listen, if you want a relationship with me, if you want to mend this back together, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to live this out perfectly. And for what it's worth, this is a very merciful thing for God to do, right? If he never gave us a measurement, if he never gave us a list of requirements of, hey, this is how I want you to live, then we would all be living in a spirit of ambiguity. Like, is this what God wants me to do? Is that what I'm supposed to do to be in God's good grace? And so he gave us this measuring tool, but he also said that nobody's going to be able to live up to this. Once again, in Romans 3, Verse 20, it says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous. Remember earlier, I told you to remember the righteous requirement of the law. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Knowing that we can't live up to this measurement, that we can't live out the Ten Commandments perfectly, no one has, except Jesus, we're getting there. That now we understand that our relationship with God is shattered potentially forever. And you can put different people on here as far as how good you think they might have been, right? I mean, if we started with Hitler, we'd start way down here. And then Mother Teresa, you know, maybe somewhere up here. And then your pastor, maybe somewhere. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I'm way to, down here somewhere probably. We can't fill that requirement. And if you don't know the rest of the story, it sounds incredibly unfair. God, why would you put a measuring system in place? Why would you put together a law that we have to follow that you tell us in advance that we can't ever follow through with? Nobody can ever live it perfectly. To which God would say, because I had a plan from the very beginning. And his name is Jesus. And he's gonna fill that gap for you. He's gonna be the only person that will ever walk this earth and live that law perfectly, representing that law perfectly. And then so when he hangs on that cross, it is the absolute perfect sacrifice that God required so that you and I could be in relationship with our heavenly father once again. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we, might become the righteousness of God. In Hebrews chapter 10, I love what it says. For by one sacrifice, everybody say one. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever. Everybody say forever. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So let me ask you a question. Have you screwed up lately? because through Jesus it's paid for. Two DUIs, possession of marijuana, drug paraphernalia, concealed deadly weapon, attempt to elude an officer, possession of alcohol as a minor, trespassing, and that's just what's on my record. Paid for, paid for. What's in your closet? What's following you? 
What is it that the enemy keeps reminding you of that's saying you're never going to be worthy? Those people sitting around you in church, they're so much better than you. Listen, you put your list together. It's paid for through the blood of the lamb. It's paid for. Guys, this is not just a logo. This is our calling. This is our reminder that we're on mission to take God's message forward. His entire redemptive story represented in this list right here. And I'm gonna send this to you via an email so you can study it. God's calling all of us who claim the name of Jesus to take his redemptive story to a lost and broken world. He's making his appeal through us. And you don't have to walk in shame anymore thinking, well, man, I'm not even worthy of doing that. I'm not even worry, worthy of taking that message forward. Listen to me. You don't have to walk in shame because you've been saved by the blood of the lamb. In Christ, every sin has been fully, freely, and forever forgiven. Can I get an amen this morning? And it's out of our gratitude that we make our appeal on behalf of Christ. Guys, you know why I believe so many people are walking away from Jesus today unnecessarily, right? Maybe you've seen the deconstruction stories online on YouTube as if it's the sexy thing to do today. It's, it's disgusting. But the reason why I think so many people are walking away from Jesus or God or the church unnecessarily is because they've been given some moralistic co code. I would call it moralistic deism, which is just a list of do's and don'ts where it's like, hey, you need to do this and don't do this. And, do, and if you do that, then you're gonna be a good Christian. This is called legalism. Moralistic deism has no place in God's kingdom. But that's what a lot of people were given in their upbringing or at some point in their faith journey instead of the mercy of God demonstrated through Christ on the cross. Hey, here's your list of do's and don'ts. Don't screw it up. Versus... Here's the list of everything that I've ever done wrong, paid for through the blood of the lamb. All you have to do is put your faith and trust in him to repent, to turn around and go in a different direction. And no matter what is following you, I don't care what it is, God knows. But if you'll put your trust and faith in Jesus and surrender to him, it's paid for. Everyone, everyone is someone to God. And there's someone in your life, listen to me, this is for everybody. Everyone is someone to God and someone in your life, their best chance of ever hearing about the saving grace of Jesus is you. It's you, not me, it's you. And so we speak up or will you stay silent? on the greatest message that we could ever take to a lost and broken world. Hopefully today, when we leave here, we'll feel more empowered to not only share it, but to show it. But if you're a follower of Jesus, can I just plead with you, none of us should stay silent. I wanna read one more verse over you. And by over you, what I'm gonna have you do is I'm gonna have you close your eyes and I'm gonna read this verse to you. And if, you're, if you feel comfortable, Man, just kind of open your hands up as if to receive 
what I'm going to read over you and then I'm gonna lead us into a response time. So if you would, just close your eyes for me. Ephesians chapter two. But because of his great love for us, God, I'm gonna slow down. But because of his great love for you, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. You can open your eyes. Why are we urgent with this message? Because time is too short and life is too fragile to hold the best news in the whole world from a lost and broken world. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never surrendered to him, I wanna encourage you that during our response time that you come up and take one of these white towels and you've heard me say it often that these towels are white on purpose. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of saying, God, I'm, I'm done trying to do life my own way. I'm turning from my sin and I'm, I'm pursuing you. God, and maybe you would say this, based on what I've heard today, I know you came to take the shame off of me, not to put it on me. And so if you're in here today and you've never made Jesus the leader and Lord of your life, listen to me, this is not a decision you put off time, it's too short, life, too fragile to put aside a decision this important. And so I want to encourage you today, if this is you, that you would come and grab one of these white towels. And I also want to encourage you, if you've never been obedient in the waters of baptism, that you'll come and grab a towel today. We're going to have a lot of baptisms on our Easter service. It'd be a great time to get baptized if you've never done that. Jesus set that example for us by being baptized himself. It was his full expectation that if you're gonna follow him and make him the leader and Lord of your life, that you actually follow through in the waters of baptism. Not just when you're an infant, your parents made that decision, but when you're old enough to make that decision yourself, you follow through on that. I'm gonna pray for us, but can I ask you to do something today? If we're not careful when we take communion as a church family every single week, it can become mundane. Some churches have even decided not to do communion every week because they're afraid that that's what will happen. Today, when you go over to that cross and you look at it, I'm gonna remind you it's on its side for a reason because it reminds us of what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23. He says, hey, if anybody wants to be serious about me, if you want to actually follow me, then deny yourself, pick up your own cross and follow me daily. How do we pick up our own cross? Well, you gotta lay it on its side first. And so I want you to think about that. Then as you pick up that communion cup, I hope the grace of Jesus wrecks you all over again. I hope because of what we read this morning together and what we studied together, I hope it wrecks you again. Let that, let that kind of good news never become mundane in our lives. And I remind you in that cup is some juice and in the book of Hebrews, it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, right? Christ was our perfect blood sacrifice that filled the gap between us and our heavenly father. So that little cup of juice actually represents the blood of Jesus that was spilled out for you. And that cup is also a wafer. 
that represents the body of Christ, a real physical body that hung on a cross. And I've done enough research to tell you, a Roman crucifixion was one of the worst ways to die. But Jesus said, you're worth it. Jesus said, you were worth it. He went through that for you. Let it wreck you all over again today. Also, if you're here today and man, you just need to get something off your chest, I wanna encourage you to go back to one of our tables and write out a prayer request. We'd love to pray with you. We also have guys back there in red shirts that would love to pray with you. If something is just burdening, burdening you today, we'd wanna carry that burden with you through the power of prayer. <laughs> I'm gonna pray for us. We've got several ways to respond, but may we all let the grace of Jesus wreck us all over again. So God, that's what we ask for. Let this never become mundane in any of our lives as we hear the message of the gospel that you have clearly portrayed in your word, that we would not take it for granted. Yes, the gift of grace is free, but it did not come cheap. It came through an excruciating death that Jesus went through on our behalf. He took our condemnation because we are the ones that deserve that kind of death. Father, we know that everyone is someone to you. Everyone is someone to you. And there's someone in each of our lives that desperately needs the grace of Jesus. God, would you empower us, equip us, burden us even to be more bold with your gospel. God, we love you. Pray this in Christ's name, amen. Feel free to respond.